Please listen carefully. Salutation stoppers and welcome to episode 29 of the Turn of Phrases podcast. I thank you for lending me your ears today to explore some etymology. If you are a new topper, then welcome to the show. And if you've been with me for a while, then welcome back. Today, we are going to look into some phrases about dogs and barking and see what all the noise is about. So grab a treat and turn around a few times before settling down to find out today's phrases, origins, history, and more. Okay, choppers, today we're starting with the idiom to let sleeping dogs lie. The meaning of this phrase is basically to not bother something that's going well. It's a way to say that if it's not broke, then don't fix it. The idea behind this phrase is that when you wake up a dog suddenly, it can be unpredictable in the way it'll act. So while it started off as an actual warning about how to avoid getting bit or hurt in some other way, at some point it became idiomatic as a warning to stick with what you know and not risk something bad, just to try something new. This one, or at least the idea behind it, is thought to be about as old as dogs, since they've been sleeping since they first came into existence. But the way we use it in modern times is thought to go back to at least the late 14th century, because that's when we find it in Geoffrey Chaucer's Troilius and Chrysidae, which was written around 1380. He wrote, quote, it is not good a sleeping hound to wake, end quote. If Geoffrey Chaucer was using it at that time, it's most likely something that had already been around for a good while. Friend to the podcast, John Haywood, also put it in his work, a dialogue containing the number and effect of all the proverbs in the English tongue, which came out in the 1540s. He included the following version of the phrase in this book, quote, it is evil waking of the sleeping dog, end quote. That shows that at least 200 years after Geoffrey Chaucer used it, it was still considered a popular proverb. Now, some people think this phrase comes from the 18th century British politician Sir Robert Walpole, but as we've already learned today, this phrase was around well before the 18th century. However, Walpole was a big fan of this phrase, so much so that some people attribute it to him as his motto. And like most of the historical stuff we look at, there are some people who think the exact opposite, that Walpole never even said the phrase. It definitely didn't show up anywhere in his writings, so if he did use it, it was likely only verbally. Whether or not Walpole ever said it, or said it a lot, it doesn't matter, because he most definitely did not invent the phrase. But since his name came up a lot in my research, I wanted to mention his impact, or possible lack thereof, on the phrase. Now let's fetch the next saying for the day, to be in the doghouse. If you're in the doghouse, it means that you're in trouble. But since many dogs like doghouses, why is this used to describe somewhere someone doesn't want to be? Well, we have Peter Pan to thank for that. In 1911, the now-beloved children's story was published, and it was written by Sir James Matthew Barry, who was a Scottish novelist and playwright. Before we get into the story, just a side note slash fun fact, Barry is thought to have come up with the name Wendy when he wrote Peter Pan. Even if he didn't truly invent the name, he definitely greatly increased its popularity. Okay, back to the doghouse. 
In the story of Peter Pan, Mr. Darling literally put himself in the doghouse because he was sorry for what he felt he had caused, the kidnapping of his three children. While Mr. Darling does go hang out in the dog's house for a while, the actual phrase, in the doghouse, is not in the story. It is first thought to have shown up in print in a work called Criminalese, a glossary of language used by criminals. It was written in 1926 by a man named J.J. Finnerty. I couldn't really find any information about who Finnerty was, other than a glossary writer. Whoever he was, he put in his criminal glossary this definition, quote, in doghouse, in disfavor, end quote. Now, before we move on, I need to mention that some people think this phrase came from something completely different than a children's story. The other school of thought comes from the time of steam locomotives. Back then, the railroad unions had a rule that a brakeman had to be positioned at the front of the train. The problem with this was that there was no room for them in the cab, so they started adding a small shelter on top of the engine tender, which is where the coal and water was stored behind the engine. Even though it had windows, the little shelter was cramped, usually full of smoke, often cold, and was just all around not a fun place to be. Because of the small design it had, it was called the doghouse by many people. Whether the saying came from a well-loved children's book or a totally unloved spot to be on a train, it's pretty safe to say that no one wants to be in the doghouse. Now, let's look at today's next phrase, the hair of the dog. The hair of the dog is an idiom used to describe the act of drinking a small amount of alcohol while hungover to help cure the hangover. To figure this saying out and where it came from, we need to look at the original, longer version of the saying, which is, the hair of the dog that bit you. This goes back to the practice of old-timey times medicine, or rather, the lack of it. Back to at least medieval times, it was believed that if a rabid dog bit you, you could be cured by applying some of the dog's hair to your wound. As for when it started showing up in print, well, we find ourselves already back at John Haywood's a dialogue containing the number and effect of all the proverbs in the English tongue. In that, we have the following quote, I pray thee, let me and my fellow have a hair of the dog that bit us last night, and bitten were we both to the brain aright. We saw each other drunk in the good ale glass. End quote. Obviously, putting a rabies-infested dog hair on the bite he just gave you will not cure your rabies. But some scientists have backed up the idea that drinking a little bit of alcohol while hungover will help your hangover. However, it's usually a short-term help, and doing it can even make the hangover last longer. So use that figurative dog hair sparingly and responsibly. Now, let's look into barking up the wrong tree. To bark up the wrong tree means that you go after something that's a mistake. This saying has its origins in hunting and specifically refers to hunting with a dog. Once the prey has gone up a tree, a hunting dog will stay at the foot of the tree barking at it to alert the hunter where the prey is. However, as any creature can, sometimes the dog makes a mistake and doesn't find the correct tree where the prey is but because they think it's up there, they will keep barking. While dogs may have been barking up the wrong tree for as long as people have used them as hunting companions, this saying does not show up idiomatically until the early 19th century. James Kirk Paulding, an American writer who also held some positions in the government, wrote a novel called Westward Ho in 1832. It had the following in it, quote, Ere he made a note in his book, 
and I begun to smoke him for one of those fellows that drive a sort of trade of making books about old Kentuck and the western country. So I thought I'd set him barking up the wrong tree a little, and I told him some stories that were enough to set the Mississippi afire, and he put them all down in his book. End quote. From there, it became much more popular and began showing up in newspapers across the country. Now let's take a look at a superstition about dogs and what it means when they stare at nothing. So anyone who's been around a dog for enough time has almost certainly seen a dog stare off into space, seemingly focused intently on nothing. Well, according to superstition, Fido isn't staring at nothing after all. When your pooch stares or growls at nothing, they're actually looking at a spirit. Several cultures think of dogs as protectors against evil spirits, and this in part is what has led to this superstition. It's not all just mumbo-jumbo, though. Even science says that this may be a reality. Or, at least, science has backed up the idea that dogs can sense things that we humans can't. Dogs can smell anywhere from 1,000 to 10,000 times stronger than humans, and can hear much higher frequencies than we can. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that the pooches around us might be smelling or hearing things that we just lack the capacity to smell or hear. Animals of all kinds, including dogs, seem to be able to sense upcoming changes in the weather, especially really bad changes. So that is another proven example of how dogs can sense things that we don't. Of course, with the super smelling power, they could also just be smelling something really tasty, and since they don't know where it's coming from, they stay still and just keep sniffing, giving the appearance that they are staring at something unseen. Or there could be something in the wall, like a bug or rodent, that the dog can hear scurrying about, so he stares at the source of the sound that is too soft for humans to hear. On the other hand, random staring and other similar behaviors can sometimes be an indicator of an illness, so if Sparky is acting odd for more than the occasional occurrence, you might want to get them checked out at the vet's office. But if they have no other symptoms other than staring, even though that by itself can be an indicator of something wrong, then most likely there's just something that caught their attention that for some reason couldn't catch yours. And with that, it's time for today's metaphorical moment. It's just a metaphor, dude. It's a metaphor. Curious metaphor. A metaphor. That's just a metaphor. The metaphor for today is their bark is worse than their bite. This one's pretty straightforward as it means that someone sounds meaner or more ferocious than they actually are. The literal meaning of this one is that sometimes dogs may bark aggressively, but are not prone to biting, and it's fairly easy to see how this became a metaphor. As for when it became a metaphor, it was being used the way we use it today by at least the 17th century. George Herbert, who was a Welsh-born poet, orator, and Anglican priest, wrote a collection of proverbs in 1651, although it wasn't published until 1652. It was called Jacula Prudentum, and it included our metaphor, his bark is worse than his bite. There's really not much more information out there about this one, so let's go ahead and move on to today's familiar quotation. Okay, toppers, I've got the book open to a section on some works by Pindar. I'm not sure who Pindar is, but anyway... This is from his work, Nimian Ode, which was translated by Sir J.E. Sandys. And I also don't know who that is. Anyway, the quote is, Longer than deeds liveth the word. 
I guess Pindar thinks that even though actions may be stronger than words, actions live on longer. Hmm, okay. Thank you, Pindar, for today's familiar quotation. Okay, toppers, that's all I've got for episode 29. Thank you for joining me again to turn some phrases. As always, I hope you enjoyed today's episode and that you learned something along the way. You can check out my show notes to find out all of my social media, contact, and sponsor information. Don't forget that you can send me topic suggestions, and if you do, don't forget to let me know if you want a shout out or if you want to remain anonymous. If you had a good time listening, please consider subscribing to the show or leaving a review. Also, if you know someone who'd enjoy the show, please tell them about it to help spread the word. Thanks again for listening to the Turn of Phrases podcast, researched, written, hosted, and produced by me, Brisky. Until next time, squirrel! Hey, toppers, I know no one likes ads, but I do need to pay the bills real quick. And even though the show's technically over, I thank you for sticking around for just a few more seconds. If you go to the Support the Podcast page on my website, turnofphrases.com, you can see the offers I currently have available to you as a topper from Audible, BossBoxes, and Amazon. The offers do change, so make sure you check back from time to time. Okay, I'll let you go now. Thanks for listening.